truthfully, men, when we are hurting, the most manly thing we can do is admit it. Is be honest with ourselves, with our loved ones, with our friends, with our neighbors, even be honest with God and say, I am hurting. I don't understand why my relationships would be struggling so much. I, I don't understand why my loved ones die or get sick or are suffering. I am hurting and I'm desperately in need of you, God. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Hey, Point family. It is so good to join you once again this morning. And I'm really looking forward to when we can gather in person. I, I was so thankful for... Was it just last week, the drive-in church? It feels like it was months ago. Uh, see, I've had a pretty crazy and wild and wonderful week, in case you haven't heard. Uh, yesterday morning, about 1.30 in the morning, Laura woke me up and said, I think we should go to the hospital. And I'm really glad we did, because at 3.03 yesterday morning, Ezra James Volt was born. That's right, Laura gave birth yesterday, she's healthy, He's healthy. Some of you have been asking, what's his name? Now you know, Ezra James. And if you're wondering, uh, it was not a purposeful decision to intentionally have ease for all of our kids. We just really liked the name Ezra James. Uh, I don't know if Tyler's put the photo up yet or not, but you know, as a dad, I have to brag, hey, here's my adorable little son I thought you'd like to see. Thanks for being a part of my family. Now with that, I have to ask this question as we start our new series, or continue our series, Real Men Cry. In this question, I want you to respond in the comments your thoughts and your answers. And here's my question. What makes a man manly? What is it to you that you think about when you think about a manly man? You see, now that Ezra is here, I have two little boys at home. So not only is this question about me being a man, but I have to try to figure out how do I help these boys become men? What makes a manly man? Is it perhaps the length of their beard or the twirl in their mustache? Is a manly man defined by the flannel he wears or maybe by the length of his hair? What makes a man? For a long time, I was a big fan of some of the, the biblical masculinity uh, culture that's out there uh, by guys like John Eldridge who say manly men love to hike and they love to fish and they love to be in mountains and, and manly men, they, they can make a fire from their sheer willpower and determination. They need nothing else. Manly men, they know how to live off the land and provide for their family and manly men, they are big and strong and burly men. And for a long time I ascribed to that. Unfortunately, 
Uh, I couldn't skin an animal if my life depended on it. I don't even know if I could kill an animal. It's never come up in my life. I've never gone hunting. I don't know how to fire a gun and hit the target. Uh, I can fire a gun, but I usually miss. Uh, I don't know a lot of these manly things. If you want to talk about fishing, I can tell you it's really simple. Uh, fishing involves fish in the water and you trying to get them out of the water. And that's about the extent of my knowledge of fishing. What makes a man a man? We have this culture, including in the church, that says a man is defined by the types of things he does. And if you don't do these things, then maybe you're not manly enough. See, our culture says that a man should be big and strong and his biceps should be bulging and, and the size of his brain should be so large that he's able to do and think through any problem. He's able to figure his way out of every situation, but there's plenty of situations where I'm at a total loss and my biceps are rarely bulging. What makes a man? Or maybe we could come at this from a different perspective. Uh, maybe instead of saying, what makes a man, we need to be asking the question, when does a boy become a man? What does that look like? Do you become a man the moment you get your driver's license and can begin to drive? What about when you move out of the house and live on your own? Do you become a man when you go off to school or you start a job and you begin to earn your own living? Do you become a man when you get married? Or when you lose your virginity? Or when you've had that one really reckless night where you don't remember much but there was tequila involved? When do you become a man? What's that moment look like? If we ask these two questions to our community, I imagine if we asked a hundred people, we'd get a hundred different answers. Well, a man is this, but also sometimes this. A man is sometimes strong, but you can be a weak man, I, I think, I hope. What is a man and when do you become one? In this Real Men Cry series, we are exploring what Jesus says about manhood, what the Bible teaches us about how to be a man. And the reason this is really important, not only for you men, but also for you ladies out there, for you men, we need to know what is it God is wanting us to become? Who is it God is wanting us to become? How do we become these men in our current situation, current lives? How do we live as people, as men who love God and honor Him and pursue Him? But as women, we should want to know what manliness really is. If you're single, your drive to find a spouse, if you have one, should be driven by finding the right kind of spouse, a man who will be the man you deserve and the man you desire. If you're married, your desire should be to honor and support and build up the man that you've married, that he can be the kind of man that you desperately desire and deserve. Not only this, if you have kids or nieces or nephews or grandchildren, there's a responsibility we have. You've probably heard the saying, it takes a village to raise children. Our children need to learn what healthy masculinity really is. And I have to confess, I haven't always been very manly. In fact, most of my life I've been much less manly according to our culture. 
See, our culture thinks, or thinks that there are certain things that are masculine and certain things that are feminine. And I'm not talking distinction in, in sex. I think there's a biological distinction between a male and a female, but I'm specifically talking about those character traits that make up a man. What are those character traits? What is different? You know, our culture often says that a man who likes to cook isn't really a man, or a man who likes to play with dolls, a little boy who cares about doing his hair isn't very manly. We have these effeminate things and say, if you're a man and you appear effeminate, you must not actually be a man at all. But I don't think this is what scripture teaches us about masculinity. See, I believe a healthy view of masculinity, one that's not toxic, one that actually points us to Jesus and points us to his word and shapes the way we live, this healthy view of masculinity must hold this tension between the manly men and the effeminate. The manly things we all have been told to aspire to and the things that are truly noble we've been told to avoid. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Specifically, real men cry. Quite literally, real men cry. I don't know where this came from, but there is a thought in our culture that says it's not manly to express your emotions. It's not manly to have feelings other than the feelings of anger or the feelings of pleasure. And so if you as a man feel anything other than angry, that's not okay. If you feel anything other than pleasure, that's not okay. And this, this idea that our emotions should be so simplified as men has shaped the way we treat men and in turn the way we treat women in a really unhealthy way. If men are only allowed to experience pleasure or experience anger, then what we should expect when boys will be boys is that they beat each other up and harass each other and bully because that's a natural side effect of anger, isn't it? If we only believe that men should experience pleasure and that pleasure and anger are their only healthy emotions for men, then who are you to deprive him of his pleasure? And when he wants to take what he wants to take, who are you to say no? This is not scriptural manhood. This isn't what Jesus stands for. Our emotions as men must be more complex than getting angry and snapping, or getting angry and acting out in force or in violence, than getting angry and making our voice known by raising it louder. Our emotions as men must be more complex than simply looking for what makes life good and pleasurable. See, there's a truth for you and I that we need to pursue hard things. We need to do difficult things, things that stretch us, things that require more from us than we're able to give, things that push us outside of our comfort zone and force us to learn. You and I as men need to do really hard things. And I think right now in our culture, perhaps one of the hardest things we need to do is to learn to understand and appreciate and process our emotions responsibly. What do I mean by this? Well, let's look at a picture of a man's man, a godly man, this man I would aspire to be in Scripture. 
one you've probably heard of before, David. Throughout the Bible, he is remembered and celebrated as the greatest king the people of God ever had. Minus Jesus, who's the king of kings, right? The greatest earthly, physical, human king who's not also God. David is revered as this wonderful leader, and we see in Scripture David leads in some pretty spectacular ways. He leads this group of mighty men, these warriors who can go into any battle, any situation. They can fight their way through the mess. They can conquer the enemy. They can have victory time and time and time again, often when the odds are against them. Surely a noble trait of masculinity, right? David is this man who from his youth was a shepherd. He knew how to work with his hands. He knew how to raise livestock. I imagine he probably also knew how to slaughter that livestock, how to butcher it, how to process it. He knew all the things about taking care of these animals. And he gave his knights to have sleepless nights to defend them when they were attacked by wild animals. It says in 1 Samuel that David actually killed lions and bears in defense of his flock. What a manly man. I wish I could one day say I was strong enough to defeat a lion or a bear, though I probably will just be a crumpled mass of fear if I was in that situation. David was a man who had this courage and this bravery that when all the people of Israel were terrified of their enemy, the Philistines, and they were shaking in their boots because of one man, Goliath, David stood up and said, God's got this. Let's go. And he charges out to battle with nothing but a sling and a few rocks. And he defeats this giant of a man, this celebrated, decorated war hero. He conquers. David is surely a manly man. Not only did he do all of these things, he planned a great city. He built Jerusalem to this magnificent capital. While he didn't build the temple, he was the one who organized the temple. He made the plans. He got the materials. He prepared for Solomon to make this mighty city. Everything about David seems so admirable. And yet he was also a pretty terrible guy at times. In his power, in his pride, he saw a beautiful woman and said, I shall have her. And he took her as his own, and to cover it up, he killed her husband. That's definitely not the kind of man I want to be. And yet, as the story continues, when he's confronted with his sin, when he's called out for what he's done wrong, he doesn't try to defend himself. He doesn't try to excuse it. He doesn't try to say, well, boys will be boys. It'll all be okay. No, he repents. And he cries out to God, forgive me. At the same time, this manly man, he's sometimes really unmanly. Right? Did you guys know David plays a harp? Where in your picture of manliness is playing a harp? I haven't yet seen the comments, but I doubt a single one of you said, real men play harps, that's what they do. But David did. David, he would submit to leadership even when that leadership was evil and wrong. And he would honor those who were placed above him even when they failed him and hated him. David not only played the harp and he would soothe his enemy Saul time and time again, David wrote songs. Lots of them. In 
fact, if you read the book of Psalms, a bunch of the book of Psalms are songs that David wrote. And most of the ones that David wrote aren't very happy or peaceful or loving. Most of the Psalms that David wrote express this depth of emotion that he felt far deeper than what men today normally feel they're allowed to feel. Like this one in Psalm 6. It says this, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? David, he starts out the song, he says, God, I'm desperately in need of you because my body is in so much pain. This emotional burden is weighing so heavily upon me that my whole body is languishing. Help me, God. He goes on, turn, O Lord, and deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? David says, look, God, I am in such miserable state. I feel like I'm about to die. I feel like death would be sweeter than where I am right now. But in death, who remembers you, God? No one. So God, save my soul, save my life. And then he says in verse 6, this really powerful statement. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping. My eyes wastes, or my eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. David here in this psalm cries out to God, I have been so miserable, so painful, so hurt. I have been suffering so much that daily I drench my bed, my couch with tears. My grief overwhelms me and I can't control it. I wonder if David were alive today, if there'd be a very clear understanding that many of these emotions David seems to feel are almost out of clinical depression or anxiety. I wonder at times the way David writes in these Psalms, if he ever felt this suicidal desire, maybe life would be better without me. And yet, he wasn't shunning these emotions. He wasn't hiding them. He wasn't running from them. In his manliness, he wasn't putting on a face and acting like he had it all together and everything was perfect. David takes this pain and this anger, this hurt and this loneliness, he takes all that he's feeling and he pours it out. Man, if we are to be real men, men who honor God, men who are truly manly in every sense, we need to come to terms with the fact that our emotions, no matter how wide and various, and how hurtful and heavy, no matter what our emotions are actually our strength. See, when we feel emotions of pain and suffering, of tears and sorrow, oftentimes in our culture we are told to hide it, to suppress it, to ignore it, to suck it up and be a man, to grow a pair. We're told all of these things about ways we should just ignore the pain. But truthfully, men, when we are hurting, the most manly thing we can do is admit it, is be honest with ourselves, with our loved ones, 
with our friends, with our neighbors, even be honest with God and say, I am hurting. I don't understand why my relationships would be struggling so much. I, I don't understand why my loved ones die or get sick or are suffering. I am hurting and I'm desperately in need of you, God. David continues, Depart from me, all you workers of evil. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. I love that the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. And because he's heard my weeping, I know he will answer. Because he's heard my pain, I know he will rescue. Because he's heard my cries, I know it'll be okay. Men, if we want to honor God, if we want to pursue Jesus, if we want to become manly men, we need to grow in understanding of our emotions. We need to grow in being able to express our emotions in things other than just anger and pleasure. We need to grow in learning that our God is capable of handling every brokenness, even from you and even from me. There's another psalm not written by David, but one that I really, really enjoy. Psalm 77 it says this, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. He says, look, I'm in pain, I'm hurting. I cry to God and I cry night and day. I cry out, God, I need you. And he comforts me. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. You hold my eyelids open. In his pain, in his anguish, in this languishing, crying out to God. It's insomnia. I can't sleep. I'm feeling the weight of this moment. I can't sleep. I need to seek you. I'm so troubled. I'm at a loss for words. I can't even speak. And it continues. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? I love the searching of this psalmist, the one writing this. He says, I have been crying out to God day and night, and he seems to have avoided me, forgotten me. His love and compassion, his tenderness seems to be wanting. Where is he? Is he gone from here? Has he left me? And in this pain and this confusion and this hurt, this is what's discovered. He continues in verse 10. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work 
and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? See, when you and I come to terms with our emotions and we begin to wrestle with what it means to be a man and we recognize it's okay as a man to feel and it's okay to hurt and it's okay to grieve and it's okay to be lonely and it's okay to be depressed and it's okay to be anxious and it is okay to not be okay even as a man. When we come to terms with this, and we wrestle with this and we lay this before God, whether it's in physical tears or the cry of our heart, we pour it out before Him. God will point us not to where we feel like He's left us, but where we know He's been before. He says, I remember all the works of your hands. I remember everything that you have done so far. This brings Him comfort. He goes on, when the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. See, in the midst of this great pain and great suffering and great confusion, where are you, God? This psalmist cries out, says, I feel like you have left me, so I will remember what I know to be true. You were there when the waters parted and your people were rescued. You were there when Moses and Aaron led them into freedom. You were there when their slavery was no more. You were there when the clouds brought forth rain on crops that were desperate. You were there when the skies thundered and, and roared. You were there. Men and women, brothers and sisters, here's the truth for you and me today. God is big enough to handle all of our emotions. If he can make the clouds thunder and the sky light up with his arrows, with lightning, flashes of thunder, cracks of thunder, if he can do this, if he can rescue his people from slavery, from the bondage of sin, if our God can be there to deliver his people, surely he can be there for you today. If we jump forward to the New Testament, I love the picture of Jesus that the Bible gives us. Jesus certainly seems at times to be a manly man. I mean, he goes off in the woods and he lives just off of the land. He, he lives by himself in the wilderness for 40 days and he survives. He goes off and he fights these great battles against the devil who tempts him. He stands his ground and speaks confidently when he's challenged. He leads a group of men, a group of women in this place of love and power. He demonstrates his might and the strength of his arm when he speaks and the winds cease and the waves calm. He demonstrates his power when he provides food for the hungry and healing for the sick. Jesus certainly seems to be a manly man in every aspect, the way I can think about it. Even in his anger, he flips over tables and he cracks a whip. And yet, this very same manly Jesus says he gets hungry, says he 
gets tired and says that he weeps at the death of his friend. Jesus, this manly man, who's also God, experiences every emotion you and I can ever feel. And as he suffered and as he died, he cried out, actually the, the words of David, a psalm, he cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From the depth of his heart, the weight of this world, the pain of our sin, he cries out, God, where are you? And this anguish. And yet he trusts in God. God, in your hands I commit my spirit. And this manly Jesus, this manly man capable to conquer every enemy, able to defeat every battle, this manly man able to stand and speak and lead and love, this manly man felt every emotion you and I can ever know. And in that experience of emotion, he invites you and I to know what manliness really is. It's not strength where we hide our emotions. It's not ignorance where we avoid them and we ignore them and we say they don't exist. No, manliness is coming to terms with everything we feel. And in light of what we feel, looking not to the fickleness of our emotions, but the promise of our Savior. See, we look to God who has set us free from all sin, who has delivered us from every enemy. We look to Jesus, this one who has known our pain and conquered death. We find hope. And so we grieve when we need to grieve. We celebrate when we need to celebrate. And we're anxious when we don't know what the future holds. But we trust in him, the one who holds it in his hands, who will lead it and guide it and nurture it that you and I will one day walk this earth with no pain and no sorrow and no suffering, but only the fullness of peace and love and joy. So man, I want to ask you this today as we close. How manly are you? Will you admit today where you have wronged someone else, where you have sinned? Will you admit today where you are hurting and in need of someone else to comfort you? Will you admit today the times when you have acted out of anger and not out of love? Will you admit today your desperate need for a God who knows your pain and has given you hope and healing anyway? Will you join me in coming before God with all of your hurts and crying saying, God, I can't do this alone. I can't be the kind of father I need to be, the kind of man I want to be. I can't be the kind of man this world expects me to be. But you are enough. So I'll trust in you. Will you join me in this today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have made us emotional beings capable of feeling great joy and great pain. I thank you for David, this example of a man who did really manly things and who acted in really terrible ways. And yet he repented. He admitted his wrong. He confessed his sin. He sought to make it right. God, I thank you for this manly man who played a harp and wrote music and cried out in pain and in anguish. Teach us today to be men who cry out in pain. 
God, men who experience more than just pleasure and more than just anger, but men who see the fullness of our emotions as something from you. And in our pain, in our depression, in our anxiety, in our worry, in our cares, in our burdens, in everything we feel, teach us to trust in you, to surrender to your promises that you have set us free that you know our pain, empathize with us in our deepest, darkest places, and that you will make all things right. Teach us to trust. Teach us to surrender. Teach us to become the kind of men you made us to be, who will cry out for you and stand beside our wives and our daughters and our friends and our sisters and one another other men that we will stand and say, it is okay to not be okay. We love you. Thank you, God, for what you're doing, for who you are, and all of your grace. We pray this all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Men, I want you to hear this once more. It is okay to be a mess. If you need to cry, cry. And if it's really ugly, and there's snot, and there's tears, and it's gross, that's okay. And if you don't need to cry, you're not feeling the, this burden, this weight, this sense of heaviness, that's okay too. You are loved, not for what you do, not for how you act, not for the man that the world expects you to be. You are loved because God says so. As we continue our worship, we're going to collect an offering. And this offering is not a means of earning more love from God. It's not a way of showing our manliness. Look at how much money I can give. No, this offering is an opportunity to say, God, help me to be a part of what you're doing. To show this world that it's okay to not be okay. To show other men that it's okay to feel hurt. And help me to be a part of the solution that seeks you and trusts you. You can give today at thepointknox.com by clicking on the little blue button in the bottom corner. You can give via cash or check by going through a Regents drive-thru or by going through or sending it in the mail to the, our P.O. box. However you choose to give, know this. Through your giving, lives are being changed. Men are being encouraged and strengthened. And in turn, our community of women, of brothers and sisters, of children and parents are coming to know a God who loves them. Thanks to you. However you give, thank you. I love you. So does God. It'll be okay. So this is the part of the service where we take time to uh, address questions that have come in and respond to things you're wrestling with. So the first one is this. Shaking in their boots? I thought they wore sandals. LOL. Okay, you caught me on <laughs> It's a phrase in idiom. Uh, they weren't shaking literally in their boots, though they were trembling in their armor. They were afraid. Thank you for calling me out. I love you guys. <laughs> Next. So when do you become a man? If becoming a man is not when you learn to drive or you kill your first deer or you become a, a married man or you... I mean, if becoming a man is not these moments in time, these things you do, when do you become a man? I believe throughout scripture, becoming a man and not just a boy who shaves is not a one-day thing. It's not a one-time thing. Becoming a man is when you get to the point of recognizing you can't do this alone. 
And when you get to the point of admitting that you need God and His help to love and serve and deal with your emotions and to be the kind of person you want to be, when you realize that, you become a man. And you need to realize that each and every day. And so to be a man, to become the man God made you to be, every day you need to become a man again by choosing this day to trust in God, to seek Him with all of your hurts and all of your pains, with all of your brokenness, and by choosing this day to act as one who loves the way He loves, who lives the way He lived, and who cares about those around you the way He does. So, will you join me today, becoming a man? As you go, I want to leave you with this blessing. And we're going to do something a little different today that we haven't done lately, so don't go just yet. Uh, I'm going to give you this blessing that I give every week, and then we're going to sing a song. And they go hand in hand. You're going to, I think, really appreciate them. But please, stick around for this last uh, song as well. Here's the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.
Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.